Look, we did it. I can see us on Twitch, Dev. What's up, guys? And gals, if you've got some. Thank you for joining. As you might be able to notice in the lower left-hand corner of your screen, Danny is not there anymore. Uh, Danny happens to be at Besides Charm this weekend, so he's already hanging out. He told me he ran Who's Slide last night and commented that maybe he doesn't typically get that inebriated on the first night, so led me to believe that Who's Slide actually went pretty damn well. So uh, I am Brandon Colley. I'm going to attempt to act as the MC as we go through this thing. And today we've got our guest, Garrett. Uh, it's Foster, not Forrester, I believe, right, Dev? Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, it works for me. I'm used to it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Garrett, you were just telling us uh, that you're on the red team. Uh, you want to just briefly introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am... Um... Garrett Foster. I'm a senior consultant on uh, um, Optics Attack and Pen Team. Uh, my my primary responsibilities there, you know, your, your typical internal and perimeter network pen tests, and I also perform some more of our advanced offerings with the adversarial simulation or the or the red team. Been there for coming up on on two years now. So. Nice, congratulations. And Brandon, why, why don't you tell them the real truth? We actually took a vote, and people voted Danny off the island. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's why he's not here to host the show. Um, so, so Danny, if you're out there watching this, sorry, man. You know, they fixed it. So long, Danny. Yeah, good luck getting back. Your, your plane tickets have been revoked, and so we'll hey, see you in <laughs> Oh, man. No, I, I don't. Danny's not in chat. Otherwise, he'd have said something by now. Um, we, may, we may get a Jake in chat, though. So our other co-host, Jake Hildreth, uh, is also on his way to the airport probably right now or possibly sitting in uh in a line to get on an airplane he said there's in-flight wi-fi so he may he may grace us with his presence i dare but, him to say the word bomb on the plane but let's see if he's actually going to do it <laughs> no you got to get we, jake's got to get there first man so jake's talking uh at charm with our other uh one of our other co-workers jim they're doing a we we did a test run of it yesterday, and I thought it was hilarious. So if you're going to be at Charm, check that out. They're doing a talk on DNS uh, and Active Directory. The marriage yeah, of Active Directory and DNS. Yeah, they're getting married, or they got married. So I guess it's they're calling it the 23rd anniversary. Um, uh, but yeah, so enough about them, though, right? So uh, Garrett and I, like, I, I don't even remember when or how I first met you, but we happened to like follow each other on Twitter and then like we started being in similar places. Um, so Garrett talked at on um, the Red Siege Wednesday offensive uh, about a month ago, two or three weeks ago. And one of the questions was asked of kind of like, what's next? And Garrett's like, SCCM. And then we got digging into that. And so uh, I asked him if he wanted to come on and we kind of, talked a little bit about what to talk about. And he's like, well, I've been all in on this SCCM stuff. So um, I'll let you kind of lead it off with some of the, the things that you had told me about using it on a recent assessment. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it, um, I think it, it, my interest in SCCM kind of, um, and it like started with one of your first blog posts about the, the like coercing authentication 
um, from SCCM from the client, right? And stealing those admi administrator hashes. And then it started like to trickle from there. I started Googling some more. And then I saw Chris Thompson's work on it. And then I saw Adam Chester's work on it. And I just, you know, the rabbit hole started, right? And um, so, you know, you kind of put all these pieces together and put them all in one place. And you're like, okay, I have, I can, I've seen SCCM internally. I know that it's there. I know kind of like the idea of what it's for is for, you know, supporting clients and managing patches and software installations and things of that nature. But I never really like dug into it because I didn't understand it to a, to a large degree. So um, it wasn't until all of those people I mentioned started posting these blog posts where it's just like, wow, I really need to start paying attention to this. Um, so it, it, and it started to become something that's like, all right, I needed, I, I had all these different pieces of information and I wanted to put them all in one place. And I started working on developing a tool for it. And when you do that, that's when you really start getting in the nitty gritty of how things work. You know, uh, you start looking at documentation and reading. Um, I think one of the first books I picked up was that Thick Boy for um, <laughs> the uh, SCCM Unleashed, which is like 1800 pages. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big one. I'm glad I got it on on my iPad instead of the actual <laughs> paper. But and um, that book just lists all of the log files. It's that's it. Log yeah, files it's... And the location. <laughs> no, and it's um because it's it's a, a SCCM's a, a beefy boy. Like it's 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 a tough thing to manage. If you go and start looking on job postings, there's actual like SCCM administrators. It's an entire career path. Uh, it's just to be able to manage that to 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 build out the the infrastructure to build out the the, the hierarchy for it. You have to have be experienced and have a lot of knowledge in it. So, um, from an attacker perspective, when you think of something that that it is that large and that and that scale, there's always going to be something that goes wrong. There's always going to be corners cut things to make it a little bit easier. Um, so on a recent engagement, it was you know I had all this knowledge of it, and it's like okay, let's see if we can put this into reality, right? Um, a lot of it was um, I focused on Chris's article for the the site server takeover primitive, and to kind of like give you a TLDR of that is basically the site server itself will have local administrator on uh, endpoints that have the SMS provider role installed, distribution point provider uh, role installed, but it also will have um, SQL admin uh, on its corresponding database. So you can either have it co-hosted on the site server itself and just have a massive amount of re resources dedicated to that host, or you can have the database uh, remote. You can have it el elsewhere. And there are situations where you're designing this hierarchy where you need to have that consideration, where if you want it hosted locally, you're going to have some limitations on it. You're not going to be able to, for instance, cluster it. You're not going to be able to create some high availability around it. So if, if that is something that you, you want, you're going to want to have it out in a remote site so that you can have that cluster. So essentially, so what his you. go ahead, not please. Not to interrupt yeah. you. Um, can we just? So I'm not familiar with SCCM. Sure. I know, yeah. I know. I've seen the job postings. I've seen people do it. I don't mm -hmm. really know much about that area. Uh, sure. Can you just give us like an intro or a kind of a beginner's guide into what it is and what it? Honestly, does? Brandon might be best to answer that because you you were an administrator for it for years, right? Yeah. I um. I, so my my first experiences with it uh, you know actually one of the slides in the talks that i gave on it talked about uh, kind of joked that i i'm able to hack it because i administered it for so many years it's kind of like uh i deserve that right um so yeah i previous location previous job i built it from the ground up and so just essentially it's it's an option for uh, patching. So it's got your Microsoft patches 
rolled into it. It leverages WSUS to do patching. It does software distribution, so you can um, determine what computers get what types of applications. You can publish those applications so users could, could download them themselves, install updates of the applications themselves. It's also got a operating system deployment piece to it um, that'll like uh, uh, Chris, um, other, other, I always call him other Chris, uh, gave a deaf tongue. DEFCON talk about abusing the operating system deployments and uh, the task sequences that uh, come into play when you're logging into uh, Pixie Boot and then you're you're downloading okay. the images and stuff like that too. So there there are a ton of moving parts um, to to it, and because because of it, well because it's a Windows based application, it ties in with Active Directory. Um, which is kind of where where Garrett was going when he had mentioned the the computer account. So it's it's the when you install SCCM, you're installing it on a Windows OS. Um, it can be a standalone machine. Like um, I think I ended up rebuilding mine and just built it all as a standalone. And then we had um, a couple distribution points in different sites that would just have the the images and local files, but everything was managed by one. And so you can so, do that. Go ahead, Dev. So is this like, because I remember before Pixel Boot, they used to have remote installation services, right? Where you boot it up and you connect to your remote installation server, which did a lot of that stuff for you, and then became Pixel Boot. So this is the next evolution of it, where they just added more configurations and more um, ability, especially with Active Directory. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so I feel like it sits. So it almost sits on top of a lot of the old, the old tech like that. So it it still relies on um, all of the old Pixie Boot requirements. To my knowledge, it still sits on top of WSUS. It just like configures it. Yeah. Um, probably a couple other things too, but but yeah, you can have a remote database. You can have multiple different um, site servers, so you could administer it and kind of spread spread things out. But yeah, basically, it does all of all of those things for an enterprise, which is why there are administrators. Um, it also happens to be very vulnerable. Uh, one of the fun I think Garrett told me in chat, he goes, "Man, the more I look into this, the more I realize that if you pull out a thread, like the whole thing just comes tumbling down." Yeah, I mean, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, you put that many controls in on the one lock system. Oh man. Not only can something go wrong with configuration, it also becomes kind of that the the egg that everyone wants to get and just crack open. So, yeah, and we haven't even really dug into the misconfigurations as far as like from an administrator point of view that that are likely to occur. Like in Active Directory, you know, when when we're doing uh, assessments on that, whether it's a, a red team assessment or or one of the trimark assessments, we we all find and. Uh, the same sort of misconfigs all over the place. So we don't even, we're not even at that level with SCCM. We're at like the design level. And by design, it is able to be um, abused and attacked. So what Garrett was talking about is how the, um, what your like primary SCCM server, the, the site server uh, require, so the computer object in Active Directory is required to be an administrator on the remote SQL server and any other site server 
and there's a lot of other guidance out there about other places that you're supposed to grant those rights. And so um, I'll let Garrett take it from there and, and explain why it's bad to allow a computer account administrative access in your Active Directory. Right. Yeah. So like you like you were saying with that that administrator role, when you're when you're configuring these things, it's um uh, the the database server is a big one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna post a link to um, Chris's blog because that's most of what this conversation can be based on is that attack scenario. Um, so Chris found that you know through reading that 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 gigantic book is that these requirements in place are kind of um, they they introduce a vulnerability uh, in, in environments where you are able to coerce authentication. So there was a previous book that he posted where you could show you could coerce authentication through uh, the client enrollment, right? You could spoof client enrollment, force a machine account to go to, out to an arbitrary host, or and 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 be able to, to perform an, basically an NTLM relay with that. But there's also other situations where you can coerce authentication from them, and those are from some relatively well-known stuff like um, the the printer bugs one. If the print spooler is running on that, you can bind to the the RPC interface and coerce from there. Uh, I'm gonna. It's petit patam, pedipotum. It's French. I don't know how to pronounce it. I could just call it patam. That's another option. Um, DFS coerce. So there's there's a lot of different ways to force the um, uh, to force the actual machine account to authenticate back to you or to an arbitrary host. So in Chris, Chris's blog, he he points out that with because that machine has that SQL admin over the the the, the database server, you could in theory coerce authentication from the server to your attacking host and then relay that authentication to an MSSQL server. And, you know, I had tested it out in a lab and said, yeah, this works. He's absolutely right. You could jump in there and then because you're SQL admin, you can just go ahead and, and create or add an arbitrary user that you control as the site server admin, because that's essentially what your site server is. It's just an interface, uh, the SMS provider for its underlying database. So when you authenticate to that, you create the role. You add the the, the user to that to that database with the uh, actual full administrator rights over the site server uh, itself. Uh, for the like, not the not the machine, but the site server, the whole the, the yep. whole way the the software works. So I tested it out um, to kind of lay some some foundations. The this specific scenario with this client, they asked us to target a list of users. And these users all had uh, a high level access to a PCI environment. So because of the way SCCM works is for any, any of the hosts that are enrolled or have a client installed of them, you can actually query and find out where this, the user is potentially assigned to that host. So you can fine grain it enough to say, this user assigned this machine, this is their primary device. Also, you can actually look and see uh, the last logon user. So as that client will kind of like, um, we'll say poll, it pulls back, it sends out, it, it checks for its policies and things like that. It will update primary the, the site server itself with that status. It'll say, yep, this last logged on user is user A. So with that information, you can specifically target your 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 the, the users that you want to roll. So we'll use the same way that they will say HR gets these policies installed. I am going to say my PCI targets are going to get these policies installed. So I that was where the, the idea, the theory came from, like, this is how I'm going to go after these users. I don't want to get DA. I don't need to do anything like that. I just need access to their hosts. And SCCM is a great avenue to, to, to perform that. So 
<clears throat> using a, a, a tool that I was working on, basically it, I enumerated the environment to see if SCCM was first installed. It was uh, a profile of all the assets that I could pull from Active Directory and, and determine where their site servers were. And then it was, okay, cool, I've got the exact prerequisites to, to go after this attack that, that Chris demonstrated. And um, I mean, long story short, it was effective. I could coerce authentication from the, the, the site server itself related it to its corresponding database server and, and was able to authenticate to the SQL database. Uh, I Kerberosed another user just to kind of have that, uh, that account to establish the interactive access once the attack was successful, added them as the role for the administrator account, and I was off to the races at that point. I've got access to SCCM. I can perform um, kind of these operations remotely using the tool that, that Chris developed with uh, Sharp SCCM and kind of have my way with things um so it um so since, I, please go ahead so since um the uh, like you sound like um the secret server is kind of um tethered or really connected to it mm -hmm. how much of the secret server exploits out there is actually um is the system vulnerable to um i'm talking about like uh like doing like any type of um execution or uh, so procedure execution, execution um, on the server itself, or sure. using execute script systems. Like how much of that is actually? So you're talking about local X, like local vulnerabilities on the SQL server itself? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but I honestly, in, in this situation, I don't even feel like it's it's relevant. All you need is to be able to access that database. So. It's uh, it's not necessarily an issue with the host. It could be you. There's there's hardening steps you can take to prevent and uh, to mitigate this type of attack. But it's it's not any. The the beautiful thing about all of what we're talking about is it's not an exploit. It's all by design. Like this is it's a feature. Is like this is the way it, it just works. And we're leveraging that in a way it's not intended to use. Like that's that's what we do, right? Uh, yep. So there's there's no inherent vulnerability. There's no inherent exploit there. I mean, it, it, you could potentially maybe if they have things configured in a way where you compromise the 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 operating system itself and pull maybe secrets out of LSA, and it's got a an SQL service account and it's and this the the that is an SA on that host. You could perform the same thing, but honestly, why when it's as easy as just Hey, you talk to that guy and then give me my admin. That's essentially what we're doing. It's that simple. And that's it. It's like, I think I've talked to Chris at one point. It's like, I don't know why more people aren't paying attention to this. Like, how much louder do we have to scream? I mean, uh, you would think that it would do some type of cert verification or like cert signing to prevent tampering or even sure. authentication or something. So, like, EAP, uh, authentication protection, that is an option to do. Um, but until you until we point this out to to our clients and show them that this is this is a vulnerability in their environments, they're not going to, because it's just an extra step to to kind of get these things configured. And it's they already have a million other things to deal with SCCM to 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 worry about something like that. Until we show them it's a risk, they're not going to harden that up. So that's uh that's that's why conversations like this are good is because now we can demonstrate that risk for them. <clears throat> right, and so it's so to just reiterate. To re-answer that question is, so why you don't have to exploit SQL is you've already it, you've already gotten a credential, you've logged into the SQL database, and then you just update the tables and you grant yourself administrator access to the uh, application, mm -hmm. and then you're done with SQL, 
then you just log into the application with the credentials that you just gave yourself admin with. So no, no exploitation whatsoever, other than, I guess, like the, the relaying to authenticate against it. So you could stop the relay. Um, there is some of the HTTPS protections in SCCM that um, hardly anybody actually implements, I believe. So those might help with it. But um, Garrett, did you even see, it was an older topic and I don't know that it's, that the specifics are out there on it, but, um, oh, now I lost it. Dave Kennedy, I think, did a really, really early, like exploiting SECM thing. And he, he took it basically of as, if you had an administrator, then you could essentially use it to, like the application deployment stuff, you could write your own application deployment and you could push malware to literally the entire environment. Did it. That's exactly yeah. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was kind of where things were like, as soon as I had that administrator role on that site server is, I just hopped on and then I started playing, you know, uh, moonlighting as an SCCM admin. It's like, okay, cool. Let me find all my targets. And then you have, you can isolate specific devices or users into uh, what's called a collection. So you, I've, I just queried the database to find out where my target users were uh, logging into. And then I create a new, and devices can be members of multiple collections. So this is not gonna have any kind of adverse effect if you were to do so. Is I just create a new collection, I literally named the targets because I'm not evasive in any way. They, 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 I was trying to be noisy so that they would catch me and see something. Um, just named the targets, dropped all my stuff in there, and then and then it was off to the races at that point. So um, when you're actually using the software itself, you can install applications like you had mentioned. You can run scripts. You can handle the, the patching. Um, and you can kind of do these on demand, right? Uh, the scripts are, are pretty cool because you can just create the PowerShell script, run it, and then as it, you know, you can force the client to check back in and, so, and run whatever script, and then it'll actually feed the results of that script back to you, which is very similar to something that we all use with like C2 frameworks, right? Is exactly. you'll, you'll issue a command, it'll pull, it'll call back, give me that data, let me run it, let me send you the data back. So that's what we did. Um, so I was after, after these target user accounts and that was just, before I ran malware, it was, okay, we had an, a, an appliance on their network, so I could just force things back to that. It's like, I just want to see if I can get hashes to come back. And, and you have the option when you run these applications, which is fantastic, is you can either run it as system or you can run it under the currently logged in user's context. So I was like, okay. And you can choose whether or not you want it to be visible to the, to the user that's sitting at their desk. Which is just fantastic. Like, thank it you for so much granularity. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I um, used that before. Is it called Cobalt Strike or is it called? Thank uh... you. Yes, yes. It's exactly like like it's a lot of fun because you get in there and you see like, man, this is very similar to things I've been using before. Like, I wish this was in Cobalt Strike. Like, <laughs> so to be fair, on Microsoft mm -hmm. and the way they, it, so I was actually building a blue team tool for another company I worked at. And it got to the point where you could do all this fun stuff. You could bootlock this device. You could do all kinds of things remotely. And then one of our people walked over. He's like, oh, this is a great red team tool. <laughs> no, this is a blue team tool. Are you mm -hmm. sure? Yeah. <laughs> it was the same. Yeah. Like, it is. Uh, it is. 
I think it's yeah, I it, so. it ultimately just becomes about how you use it, right? It's it yeah. it just is the the way the tool is being used is whether you're using it for good or bad, whatever it may be. But yeah, there's a lot of similarity and um, man, having the option to on on like how you want these things to run, like you could you could push messages to the users like hi, cl uh, click here or whatever. But yeah, it was the the target was like, the goal was just to get access to their machines, whether it was interactive access or to execute malware on their their, their operating system, but because I had so much flexibility on how I wanted to approach things. I, so I ran scripts just to see, you know, to, to force them back. So it just literally was get child Adam, a PowerShell script to, to come back to our host and check for an arbitrary system or like a, a, just a random script that didn't exist. And this is in sharp SCCM. So you can automate the whole thing if you, if you choose to, but you know, I was still trying to get, you know, um, some some practice in i'm not going to say i practiced in prod but i'm I, you know um but it was just to send these things back and we got the hashes back didn't crack so i had to pivot again um so then it was becoming okay and here's what's really fun about it as well is that because you can set this to such a large scope right the the hierarchy and the way you design these things can be global but all of these things need to talk to each other so you might have your one ho like one site um kind of like designed for the states you might have one in england but those two still need to be able to communicate to each other if your primary site is in the states so you can have management points and distribution points in england that will i'm not saying this is the way it works i'm just hypotheticals um you could have them talking back to your primary site server and it's going to bounce through your clients are going to hit that management point and the management point is going to bounce back to your site server and it's going to have that communication channel so when you look at the device like it's it explicitly, you can see that <clears throat> which management point it communicates to. So if you are on the site server and you can see where your target is communicating through that management point, you can hop to your target through that management point because the connectivity requirements between the management point and the site server itself. So you have a lateral movement opportunity because of that, and it's telling you exactly where to go, which is which is what we did. Um, so the, the from we got the hashes back, none of them cracked. So now it was okay, let's figure out how we can get the um because they could come back to us, but I couldn't reach them. For whatever 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 way they designed their, their network, it just I couldn't hit the, the target host. So because we knew the management point, we developed we just pushed out some some beacon payloads and then put them on a file share on that management point. Then we created an application to run in the current user's context to install that malware. So it was literally just a RedServe32 with a DLL, and the application itself was to it just install it from that remote remote, uh, remote file share, and then um, make sure we ran it hidden, run in the user's context, mm -hmm. only run if the user's logged on, and well, push it out to go ahead. Well, I was wondering, like, wouldn't you just be able to just uninstall all the EDR solutions and AVs and basically give whitelist your own applications and binaries and that in way you theory. Don't really have yeah, in but in theory. Okay. But it's like so it's you have the like there are some endpoint protection built into it, and I, you know my my experience with this may not be enough, but I, I I know that you can have some flexibility on some third party software solutions that you're going to install, but I don't necessarily know that it would be able to manage EDR. So if you had like CrowdStrike installed and you're pushing out to everywhere else, you're going to have that admin panel for CrowdStrike that's going to be through their system, through probably their cloud applications. And there's a lot of protections. Basically, the, the EDR itself is malware. It's hard 
as as I'll get out to uninstall that. Um, so, and at the same time, that's pretty destruct destructive. We don't necessarily want to cause situations yeah, sure. in our environment that's gonna that's gonna have those problems. So, the the path of least resistance for us was just you know bypass EDR, uh, have no real concerns there, and just drop the the malware that way. And the other convenient thing about this is that um, you know Microsoft recommends you don't necessarily block activity from SCCM because it's mostly it, it, it starts from a, a kind of a primary location where all this stuff is running from and it can look malicious we can cause EDR or sims to trigger on malicious activity so they say no 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 just ignore it okay cool thanks thanks for mm -hmm. my free way in um yep. so with all that in mind, it was just like drop it there. You know, they probably could have done some static detection on the DLL that was being dropped, but you know, it 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 was designed in a way to be evasive. Like I didn't actually want them to trigger on it. So um, then we pushed the application out, and then beacons just started rolling in, and they all were in the in the user's context of of our, our target accounts, and none the wiser. Um, none of the none of the users knew what was happening. Um, didn't get any alerts from EDR detections. Nothing. So. Basically, the goal well, at this point was achieved. So do you have like a top five things people should be doing right now if they have SCM, SCCM and oh, like man. detect it? Yeah. Um, detecting it? I don't know. Um, you, the amount of logs that are generated by this, this software is just, it's unfathomable. Like I have a, a relatively small lab environment. I have two site servers installed um, and one with a co-hosted uh, database server and one with a remote just to kind of have the, 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 the two in comparison. And then, you know, a few hosts, a DC. So about 12 hosts total. And I, I allocated 50 gigs to that host. Build up instantly. Made a mistake. Big mistake. So I had to redeploy it. And in a matter of weeks, you know, I just kept filling up and filling up. So monitoring those types of logs, and that's just default logs. So if you wanted to get more granular and create custom logging, yeah. it's just going to get even worse. So that in itself makes it more difficult for them to actually come up with solutions here because there's just so much information and in the, in the barrier to entry to get this stuff out is so high. Um, there are... Is it all it's are the logs all running on the same event ID or something that like you can't. No, it's hard to explain. Like when you when you actually get into because there's an entire tab just dedicated to monitoring and reporting, and because part of what you want with this solution for the for the, the administrators is for them to know kind of before the user knows that things aren't going right. If you push out a a patch, Microsoft push out a patch, you go through your change management process, you approve this patch, and you push it out you're going to get results. You're going to say whether or not they, it was successful, failed, partially successful, all this. And it does that for everything. So every, pat, every patch, every piece of software you install, Pixie boot deployments, all of those things are monitored and logged, and then you can actually create those reports from them. So there, it, there is a lot of features, and it makes sense why people like using this, this application. But at the same time, creating custom stuff for it is just incredibly difficult. Um, there's... There's blogs dedicated to uh, the managing managing this. If you go to the the subreddit for SCCM, it's just like it's like a war zone. I can't figure out this problem, and everyone's chiming in on it. So my mercy goes out to them. I'm really glad that's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> Me I mean, too. So the stand ins installation, from my I'm understanding, is by fault. It is you know, it's vulnerable to all kinds of different attack vectors. 
I mean, has anyone pushed Microsoft to go like, hey, you need to secure this out the gate, or at least limit the access that all damage they can do? I mean, um, I'm sure. You know, you, you don't usually hear from people that have um, let Microsoft know that there's a bug and they didn't like acknowledge it. You don't really typically hear about those. I know that Chris has mentioned a couple things to them. Um, Brennan has has got a, a CV out of an issue where you know you could force them to uh, authenticate with NTLM rather than Kerberos. And so there have been attempts made to tell them, hey guys, this isn't bad. This isn't good. You know, there's a lot of problems associated with it. Um, Microsoft's pretty much their their standing on this seems to be, yeah, it's insecure by default, but we give you the option to harden it. So that's your problem, not ours. So oh, um, this week's a red forest all over again. Mm-hmm. Oh God, red forest, please, Jesus! <laughs> no one Jake, does it because again, it's so hard to set up and actually use. So yeah. <laughs> Jake showed up in chat just in time to to say Microsoft secure defaults. <laughs> LOL. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey. You got to give them a chance. You got to give yeah. them a, a small chance. I mean, yeah. the blue screen of death makes everyone laugh every night. So, <laughs> so I mean, and to the logging I, point too, I just want to mention real quick that they're not they're not Windows logs, right? They're not going to your event log. They're all mm. just dot log files that are sitting on that server and mm. are readable to the SCCM server. And but I, I've, I've not set up a sim, so I don't know if you could even, or even if you would want, like, I pity anyone who's attempting to send those somewhere else because they are so noisy. Like, to Garrett's point, it's not even just like, hey, I tried to install an application. It's it's like, there there's an application. There's a client. The client requested the application, but it was not during the maintenance window like there and all of them are different logs and they're all like a different line in the logs that conversation is so ridiculous um that i don't even know how you would begin to to use it as a detect mechanism yeah most people don't even realize even with the sims that there's a flow over like if you hit a certain threshold things are just gonna this you're gonna lose the information right um but i thought you said it was sensitive data in the logs and yet they're just writing it to the files, or is it not worry about sensitive data? Um, not necessarily sensitive data. It, it most of it is is all about like results. Like we try to yeah. do this. Like you tried A, got B, that kind of thing. It's it, it, you know, I I'm not going to say there isn't because I haven't looked. You know, but I would expect there not to be anything sensitive um oriented because it doesn't really. It's it's not necessarily done for that. There are some sensitive items like credentials that you'll find in there, but not not going to be in the log files. Uh, so um, that's another really right. Uh, it's it, no, it's not even in the XMLs. I think it's um, encrypted and stored in DPAPI. I haven't gotten into the, the nitty gritty of it uh, as far as how they're encrypted and stored, but I do know that you can extract them because um, again, that using Chris's tool Sharp SCCM, I actually pulled. Um, they're called uh, network access accounts. Uh, I pulled those from from uh, memory or from the, the server itself and was able to get those in clear text. And the, the really fun thing about those accounts is they no longer actually used the, the network access accounts to push that software out, um, but they never, uh, so essentially what the, those accounts are used for is that you can configure accounts, the service accounts in your environment to do a software push. So it will actually use that account to bind to the client and do the, the software installation. And, and to do so, you need access to the admin uh, shares, so you have to have local admin on that host. 
Since then, they've actually done, um, you can now do that installation over HTTPS. It's not required for the account to have admin. But at one point in time, it did. So that configuration was stale. Those accounts still existed. Those accounts still had local admin because of a security group that was configured in a GPO that granted it to them. So even though they weren't using the accounts anymore, I could pull them out, grab the ClearText, and I still had that account as local admin on everything in their environment, which is 80,000 hosts. Jesus. But they just forgot to remove them. They forgot to change the password. So you, that was an opportunity there. They forgot to, to remove them from there. And the other fun part, too, is that when these accounts are actually used in the environment, they're pushed out to clients, they persist on the client. So if you compromise a client and you can verify that it's a member of, like it's a client for a site server, just by looking at the file system, you could pull those network access accounts from, from those, those hosts as well and have admin potentially over the other clients. So a lot of tech debt, I think, is, is a good way to put it with SCCM stuff, the way things that they used to do, but they didn't necessarily give you a, a very easy way to walk that back after, after um, policies have changed. So being a right. former red teamer, um, one of my favorite things to do on, on uh, client machines is I wrote this little um, program that you just install it, and every, like, I think it was every 10 seconds, it would take a webcam picture of you, and then set that to your wallpaper. Set your wallpaper. <laughs> That's um, evil. <laughs> whoops. Uh, to but to, at the same time, I don't think I ever see my desktop, so I don't even know if I would, yeah. I would see it. <laughs> but it's fun. I don't even know uh, it's changing. Right, yeah. So uh, we just take it every 10 seconds, just keep refreshing it, and then you'll be like, right. wait, what's... And then you, you see how long before someone reports something. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that said, like, what is the craziest type of exploit that you, you have done that's like, cause I mean, at a certain point when you do med team, you got in, you got all the stuff you want. Now you want to see how fast people react, alert, or say something. So you have to do something flashy to kind of sure. get attention. Yeah. Trying to be um, noisy, like bump them up, right? Like you're trying yeah. to like, okay, cool. They haven't caught us yet. Let's, let's give them this win. Um, I think the, the, it, you know, I'm still, I, I will be on pretty forward I, I am still relatively new to the red team thing so i don't necessarily have like man that this war story was cool most of it is like third second hand from people telling me try to get me hyped up um but uh i think recently we don't typically do anything too crazy i always tell them i want to change like set up a gpo to to do what you did with change the, the background for it and i always say we're going to change it to a ransomware background they're like no 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 <laughs> no please don't do that <laughs> yeah but it, i mean it would get the point across right um just have them no. call your cell phone <laughs> yeah. oh you know what let's uh, say we we ransomware your computer all we did was back up your browsing history on both oh, yeah, that, that... work and personal <laughs> laptops <laughs> That might cause more panic than the actual ransomware itself. Oh, so, <laughs> um, I just no, saw I... On, on Twitter somebody had a, a picture of like one of those Red Cross bracelets that has like mm -hmm. your blood type and stuff, and it just says <laughs> delete my browser history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, I mean it's probably a good investment, honestly. <laughs> no, um, no, nothing, nothing too crazy yet. I think it's um, honestly, I, I'll be, I'll be. I have I have no shame. I am I'm not very good at it yet. I I'm really good at getting getting burnt, getting caught. Uh, so I learn a lot of lessons. Um, I've learned what uh, um, Vector AI's IPS is, um, and it's kind of a pain. Um, uh, some of my payload delivery strategies haven't been the greatest. <laughs> um, just packing some stuff in ISO files that just get caught right away. Um, 
But no, it's a. I'll say I'm a red team baby. How about that? More of more more pen test oriented, less red team. But I am on the red team, so I'm gonna claim it. Um, <laughs> so before before red teaming, mm -hmm. did you do did you do some of the pen testing stuff, or did you mm -hmm. did you come from a different background? Yeah, so my background actually originated with um, I was a sysadmin for a couple of years working for an MSP. Um, so I kind of a, a jack of all trades with that when you've got different industries that you're doing work for, um, whether it's healthcare or, you know, um, the restaurant industry or hotels, you know, I kind of saw everything at that point. And then from there, I pivoted from that into working on the blue team. I was in a SOC uh, for about a year um, playing alert whack-a-mole and, and kind of, and that was fun to a degree. I think uh, I was I was really focused on pen testing, even as a sysadmin side. I was working on my OSCP, taking certifications, doing hack the box things, and and trying to get to that point. So the SOC was really good because I you know I got to respond to some real world events. I was doing that when um, the Hafnium thing happened with uh, the proxy shell and exchange servers, all of that stuff. I was yeah. actively responding to events there, and as an MSP, we are working in that SOC. We worked for. MSPs, it was just, you know, we had all those different clients and all of them had exchange servers. I think we had like 80 different um, uh, clients that that were affected or impacted by Hafnium. So got to go and, you know, look at the logs that were coming through and seeing what the various different threat actors were doing. You would have people that are just sitting there, you know, pop the shell and running command line processes, or you'd have actually people creating, uh, popping the web shell and then creating more uh, persistence through um, other web shells hidden in config files and obfuscating their their activity, and you'd see the shell hit, and then you'd see nothing. But then you'd get alerts for, you know, LSAS being dumped. You're like, where did it come from? We didn't see anything. So that was a lot of fun because I got to see things that I was learning in, in my pen test path actually happening in the world in the wild. I'm sure the clients would love to hear me say that it was fun watching their stuff burn down. Um, <laughs> but I got to learn a lot. Um, so. And then from there, I, the opportunity with with um, Optive came up, and that's I got my start with pen testing. And I've always really um, loved Active Directory ever since I was in college. Um, I learned how to. You're build the one. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in school, I got to learn um, from someone that worked uh, that built his own business, uh, was a, a sysadmin, um, and then worked his all all the way up. And then he actually responded to um, he did the incident response for Enron. So he did all of that. So he got to get into that. So he was a really good mentor and teacher to show kind of like, not necessarily just the low level of Active Directory, but how you can get more fine grain. He's the first one that taught me about Red Forest and, and taught me how Kerberos worked in a way that I could actually understand because people say they understand Kerberos and you don't. I still technically don't. Like every time I look at Elad's post about wagging the dog, I think I learned something new still. Um, but it was that, like, I loved to see how it was supposed to be built and then all the things you could do to break it down and abuse it. And, the, the like, one of my friends calls, uh, uh, says that Actor Directory is their favorite pen testing framework. And I think that's a really good way to put it because it really feels that way sometimes. Um, so, yeah, anything AD, I just obsess over it. it it's... Uh, <laughs> I really like to to, to to poke holes into it. Um, yeah, before I, I joined Trimark, I don't think we I did much with AD besides nope. you know writing GPO exploits and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so nice. Kind of push it out, but yeah. I, but after joining Trimark, it's like oh my god, 
there's so much that could go wrong in active directory so much <laughs> yes. Yes. I love having conversations with Dev or we're talking about like misconfigurations that we find in a client, like just mm -hmm. doing ridiculous stuff. And Dev's like, yeah, but nobody does that. Like, why do we write a check for that? And we're like, because these three clients in a row have done that. <laughs> it's like, that's so stupid. And it's hilarious. Little Dev's. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I assume people would be like, huh, should I leave this port open and allow this? Or should I go ahead and put this person into this group? Yeah. And then not protect this one person, even though they have group access. And it's just like, eh, whatever. It's a mindset next, next thing, right? Point. Yeah. I mean, I can say from when I was actually doing it, it was like you threw something at the wall until it stuck. Okay, it works. Fine. Close the ticket. It's good. It's done. You don't yeah. think about the effects afterwards. You're just worried about getting that next ticket closed and, and then pressing on to the next thing. Yeah, so. That's true. Yeah. It, and it's a, it's a huge mindset thing. Is like, you know, when I was doing that, I wasn't thinking security i wasn't thinking about you know this might be something that could be abused because susan and hr isn't going to go after this account at some point so until i got to the other side of things and i was like man i should call them well, because i left this in that environment yeah. <laughs> well that's actually a growing trend right now is that um people like you could buy people in companies to actually run like exploits and usb but the new hotness is you actually find dirt on the person right and extort the hell out of them using yeah. pii data um, so you can get the PI data, go ahead and like do like, um, basically an insider threat aspect of mm -hmm. like figure out who they are, what they owe, what their secrets are and yeah. exploit the hell out of them right now. Um, there's actually a big service in the dark web where they have like bids for people you can buy all the dirt on. Um, and it's actually cheap. Like uh, you can buy a dirt on someone for like, <laughs> of course it is. like for like a couple of hundred dollars, like 150 Just, to 200 dollars, uh... all the dirt on someone. Um, not that I'm, I'm condoning that or anything. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's not that kind of show, Dad. It's not that kind of show. Yeah. Uh, we do. So, Garrett, you have a fan in chat, though. Uh, Night of Dark 94 says that you taught them almost everything they know about pen testing AD. Uh, I, bet that's, uh, I bet that's John. I bet that is. <laughs> I bet he's he's being polite. He's uh, a co-worker at Optive, um, more than likely, um, who uh, I mentor. And he's a lot of fun to work with. Very, very smart with cloud. So we kind of ping back and forth. Um, he's uh, actually going to be doing a big presentation for us pretty soon about uh, Kubernetes, which I know Kubernetes is a thing. I know it's out there. I know people use it. And that's it. That's my knowledge. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Forward to, uh, yeah. yeah, Kubernetes is another one of those. It could be secure if you think about it from a security standpoint up front. Sure. But otherwise, yeah. it is just anyone anyone's game. Um, yeah. It's like it's like Docker Swarm, right? It, they just added a new layer and they added a bunch of components in the, um, to it, and it's just like, uh, I don't yeah, know. that's I'm not a big to me fan too. Of <laughs> so, I'm, the, I'm not a big fan of Kubernetes, but I know yeah. everyone else is. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hear the hate mail coming in. It's a fad. Kubernetes is a fad. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I just. I think they overcomplicated for overcomplicated sake, um, but I get I get suggest of it. So, what is your favorite? Uh, or what's your favorite and worst moment as a pen tester or red teamer so far? Like, what's the uh, one um, thing you love and hate about it? I hate about pen testing. Oh, reporting. <laughs> so I think that's the easy one. <laughs> um, always trying to find a way to get easy, like to 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 make the reporting easier. Um, I guess I could talk about the mistakes I've made. Um, 
because you know we all do it at some point it's probably good for people that are in, in, interested in getting into this that are afraid of it um oh yeah i've locked out accounts big time um i'm um i was using i think it was cme crack map exec and you kind of mix up the way the tools will handle strings that you pass to them as arguments so oh, yeah. there's a difference between a tick and a quote and um i escaped the quote and I just sent the account. So, <laughs> and I was hitting a, a list of different targets and it was like invalid, 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 account has been locked, account locked. And it's just like, oh God, here we go. And it was a, it was a high privilege service account in their environment where, you know, they, they were actively using it to, to do things. So it was like, okay, kill it, call them, let them know I, what, how I screwed up. And, you know, I took that, that, um, that lashing and I never made that mistake again. Um, so that was probably the worst time is when you lock out something, you got to go and admit that you, you made a mistake. Um, but I think everyone's got to do it at least once because it makes you um, makes you slow down and actually like make sure you're doing things correctly and, and so, it's not. Go ahead. So one way around that is you, your team could do is what our team did. We found a scapegoat of the week <laughs> and then it rotated every week. So that way, anything you, that you did that week that went bad, it's like, oh, that's your problem now. You gotta nice. go ahead and uh, alert the client. You got a fall guy, huh? Nice. Okay. It's like being on call. <laughs> it is. No one looks forward to it. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good strategy. I like it. Um, I think I just, uh, showed, I just showed a bunch of students earlier this week, crack map exec nice. uh, at the old university I worked for. And, uh, you know, you I preface it with like, this is how you lock it out. And uh, one of my old coworkers was there and he's like just sweating. I'm like, and he's like, you just showed people how they could literally lock out every single one of our accounts. And I was like, yeah, but it's that easy. Yeah, but you should have like a time limit and stuff where it goes back and becomes self-healing. Like, no, no, none of that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, your account, your uh, account lockout recovery, it's going to be 30 minutes. So what's a big deal? What's 30 minute yeah. outage? Yeah, but you'd say that to a C level. I just locked out all your employees for thirty minutes. They're just like, "Oh my God, how much payroll is that just wasted?" So <laughs> it's all about that perspective, right? And yeah, um, I yeah, I, I think that's a pretty common one. I think a lot of people have have made a mistake of locking out an account at some point. But you know, you always hear about it. Like, I'll never do that. I'll never do it. I'm I'm too focused. I got I got to pay too much attention. But no, it, it's it's a very easy mistake to do. Um, I'm just lucky that it was um, only one account. So. Um, but yeah, that was that so far. That's the the worst thing. Um, but it, good things like I, I have a lot of fun with the um, the research side of things. And it's um, anytime there's something yeah. like this, like why that why did that work that way? That shouldn't have done that. Okay, let's pull that thread and like oh, okay, let's keep going. And then all of a sudden the whole sweater's just a mess, right? Um, the pre two K stuff that I talked, to, I think Brandon mentioned that um, yeah. I was on um, the Red Siege call. That has been. Um, probably one of the more highlights of my kind of um, short career so far is, is is working from that. And in, I make a joke all the time that none of my ideas are original. I always find someone, some post that someone has, has, has sent up somewhere and I just keep pulling on it to find worse things. And that was what Oddvard found where the, those accounts are configured in a, an insecure way. And I just wanted to know why. Why is it happening? Why is this 20-year-old thing so persistent and I kept digging, kept digging, kept digging and I ended up being, you know, a pretty cool um, scenario and I ended up, that's what got me started in coding is I need to automate this. Let me write it, like yep. force myself to learn Python and I did and I, you know, the first iteration of it was awful, but 
it forced me to learn and to grow into to, to coding in that language. So, and that's what I would always been taught was, or told is like, you'll start coding when there's a need, like when you need a specific thing to work for your situation. And that's, that's what happened. And it ended up being something I've shared out with people and, and gotten good feedback on. So that's been probably the most rewarding so far. And Python is an amazing language, so you just fell in love at, at first sight, right? It's so it's like, easy because it's it's so lenient. That, I think that's why I like it. Um, I, I was starting to, yes, it, yeah. I mean, it it's been around so long, and it's so it's so ingrained in our industry that the, if there's a need for something, the library's probably out there somewhere, and you can just pull that down, and someone's already done the legwork for you. Um, obviously, the impact at libraries, everyone uses those, but some niche things that you didn't think would exist are there, like. Um, ran into issues with LDAP channel binding, but Scalesex got libraries that will get you around that issue. Like you can just rewrite the way you do the bind that way. Um, but yeah, and then like Rust. Rust, I've been learning Rust because our, our engineer- Sorry to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it it's abusive. Rust is abusive. Like it's, you think things are gonna work, it yells at you and says, no, try again, over and over and over again. And until finally, it works and you're just like, okay, that's that's nice. I don't want to keep going anymore because you're just gonna yell at me again. Um, but it's <laughs> like it, old, it old Java invalid exceptions or whatever that you'd get. Yeah. No, no, Java, Java. Wait, make sure my wife is not wrong. Java is more like a, like your wife that it don't it don't <laughs> tell you you're wrong. It it gives you a book of why you're wrong and everything Sorry. you did about it and keeps going into detail to the point where you just die from exhaustion. Did you quite hear you? Did you say that a little louder? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you, you don't want to see a hand coming back and smacking you back in the head. Or maybe you do. I don't know. It comes through your virtual background. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I definitely do not like Rust or Java. I think those two languages just be dead. Um, but yeah. Rust is not dead. Opinion. I'm sorry. That's, I, I, I appreciate your opinion, and I, and I do, but Rust is it's booming. It's good. It, maybe, it's, maybe it's a new hotness, new trend, but. I could say from personal experience and seeing it being developed that there is there's a lot of um it's warranted to, to kind of learn on to to learn things because the way Rust is compiled, a lot of these EDRs can't really well, make same things go. Make, sure, you're right. But if it worked with Go for so long, the same can be said for it to work for Rust for X amount of time as well until they pivot and start uh, and, and it can actually detect things. I mean, Microsoft is integrating Rust into the kernel. They're going to be rewriting some of their, their code base yeah. in the kernel in Rust. So, you know, I think that gives it uh, some some legitimacy on it being a language that's going to stick around and be and be around for a while. Yeah, but I mean once behavior patterns start picking up more and they become more intelligence as to sure. understanding not only process and process dependencies mm -hmm. and sure. injection, I mean, then it don't matter about obfuscation or your DLL because they're not going to be doing static binary sure. analysis. You're right. Um, you're right. And then I, I can't argue with that, but you know, it's always that cat and mouse game. Right. But for now, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be winning because we're ahead of that. And people are making, like, they're developing these tools, and and they they are open sourcing it, so they're giving them a chance and opportunity to create the detections. But um, it's I feel like it's it's going to be the same way that Go was early on when when people start writing malware and Go, and it's and you know they'll catch up, but that gap is going to make us effective with it until they until they do. I guess um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I'm still a Python fan. Oh yeah, I love Python. Trust me, I, I am I am 
I'm going to die on that hill. But, I'm constantly getting in fights at work about it because, you know, people don't like the dependency hells that you run into, but it's just like virtual environments, man. It's fine. Don't, you mm -hmm. know, it's that easy, but. Can we yeah. all agree that we know none of us likes Ruby on Rails? Can we all agree on that? That does no. awful. I do not all like right. Ruby. Yeah, Mattis boy, get your act together. Get off of Ruby on Rails. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, all right, we got five minutes left. I guess we're going to do the go around the room kind of thing. Look at that. Yeah, we have a short room. So why don't you start, Dev? I don't know much about SCCM uh, besides that it sounds like it sucks and you shouldn't be using it. Uh, so go ahead and get out those USBs and um, if they still have CDs, I don't know if CDs are still a thing anymore. Get those out and start installing manually because apparently it sucks. All right, hey, Brandon. Uh, yeah, so one brief thing we didn't really touch on as far as SCCM goes is um, we recommend not adding your domain controllers to the same SCCM instance because if it's if it's this easy to get access to SCCM, then that means that access is translated into your domain controllers. So um yeah, so protect that. Yeah. It's just suggesting recommendations, things like that. Um I think it you know if your concern about your your deployment, you can check out what uh, what Chris posted in his blog as far as going through the hardening uh, mechanisms that you know enabling EAP um, and and least privilege kind of situations where you're not granting overarching permissions to members of a specific group. Um, but that that's that's really it. Since it's the way these things work, the only thing you can really do is to um, kind of go out of your way to harden them because it's not secure by default. Ah. I guess I started this uh, go around the room really too soon. I, Sorry. I <laughs> Let's do yeah. it again. Let's do it again. No, I mean no, I can talk about this fine. stuff for days. It's 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 um, I I really feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. I I I, I can imagine you know um um people like Brandon, Chris, and and um Adam if he chooses to keep going with it because it feels like Adam has just always got his fingers in something. Um. You know, if you keep digging into it, there's going to be some more stuff that's going to fall through. It, there's a lot of things where you just click on it, like, why does it work that way? Um, but for the same reason why it's difficult to manage, it's difficult to find the bugs because there's just so much that goes into it. Um, luckily, it's all in .NET, so you can look at the source code um, if, if you're looking for something there. Um, but yeah, I, I really do feel like if you're if you're into researching the way things work in AD, SCCM is a huge um, a huge opportunity to find something interesting.